Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Good Tech Fest podcast. My name is Andrew Means. I'm the founder of Good Tech Fest. and really excited for you to join me today. I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with Chantal Forster, the executive director of the Technology Association of Grantmakers, about the needs and opportunities for infrastructure and, and data infrastructure in the philanthropic space. But before we begin, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. This season of the Good Tech Fest podcast is sponsored by Okta for Good. Okta did not program a computer to play chess. Okta did not invent the toothpaste tube squeezer. Okta definitely did not park too close to you at the grocery store. Want to know what Okta did do? They built the world's best identity platform so that millions of people every day can safely use whatever technology they need. How do I know? Because they told me. But you don't have to take their word for it, or even mine. Visit okta.com customers to hear from some of the world's most recognizable organizations about why they trust Okta. Organizations like Zoom, FedEx, Oxfam, and more. That's okta.com customers. Okta for Good is Okta's social impact initiative, strengthening the connections between people, technology, and communities. Okta for Good is also a proud supporter of TAG, the organization led by today's guest. I am so happy to be here, Andrew. Thanks for including me. So why don't we start off by you just sharing with people a little bit about who you are and and what you do uh, with TAG. I serve as the executive director of the Tech Association of Grantmakers, fondly known as TAG. Um, But I've spent my whole career at the intersection of people and technology. And in that role, you get to work with a lot of grantmakers and foundations. Obviously, that's that's your primary uh, constituency. What are some of the ways that you see technology being a benefit, not just for like, um, well, let me put it this way, for the benefit to foundations? Uh, How do you see this technology and the use of technology broadly being a benefit uh, to to foundations? Mm, So to foundations, not yet to the grantees and the people they serve, right? Yes, let's start with just the the foundations, and then we can look at like the grantees and people they serve. That's great. Um, You know, it's interesting. Uh, Earlier this year, in 20, earlier 2021, TAG did some research with NetHope and TechSoup and N10 about the level of investment in digital transformation and digital infrastructure by foundations in their own infrastructure. And we found, based on a survey from NetHope, that the average expenditure on technology was something around 3%. In In contrast, in the private sector, it starts at about 6%, and then it goes up from there, 10%, 15% of the budget allocated to tech, depending on how important, how vital tech is perceived to be part of their strategy. If tech is vital to their, perceived as vital to their strategy, the company invests more. If it's perceived as not vital, they invest less. Well, unfortunately, philanthropy is in the place where they're really on the low end of investing in technology. And what does that tell us? The sector, individual orgs in the sector don't perceive technology as vital to their strategy and their mission. And I think, you know, Amy Sample Ward from N10 one, one time said, it's 2021, people. <laughs> you know, that we're doing philanthropy in 2021. And the fact that we don't think of technology as a key mission enabler, as a key mission scaler is is 
befuddling, right? Really blows her mind. And so I think that where we are is a recognition that um, technology is not counter to the idea of a more humane philanthropy, that investing in tech eases the burden of our teams, of our staff, so that we can do the other parts of philanthropy that are more humane, that are more relational, that are, you know, enable us to innovate in the mission. I'd argue, in fact, perhaps philanthropy isn't as innovative as they could be because they haven't, they haven't gone the digital transformation route. So they're still spinning the wheels with some of the basics. Um, and I think if they would invest and get over the hump, we'd see also a more innovative technology, an innovative philanthropy, I should say. I agree. You know, it's so interesting. That's such an interesting statistic, like that there are like so little investment is going into technology from the foundation side. And, and one of the, the interesting things that I love about TAG is how you try to create collaborate collaborations around innovations and new ideas and technology uh, for philanthropy. And one of the things that you're working on uh, is around kind of like a unified grant application, it seems like. I'd love to, for you to just share a little bit more about that effort uh, and, and how it um, came into being and then what kind of motivated TAG to take on, uh, to take on this initiative. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're right, Andrew. There's a lot of buzz right now around um, a unified grant application or a philanthropic data commons. There's a lot of buzz right now around a more collaborative philanthropy. And so TAG being at the a key node in the network of, of uh, foundations and the people who serve foundations, we saw the campaign by Grant Advisor called Fix the Form. You might have heard of a little mm -hmm. campaign called Fix the Form. It was really all the rage in 2021. A lot of people were involved and have heard about it and done some soul searching as a result of Fix the Form. TAG was one such org. We saw the campaign. The top pain point in the campaign was the inability to download a grant application beforehand is the biggest burden for nonprofits. They want to download it, send it around, get different people to answer different questions, coalesce all the questions, and then upload or manually cut and paste into the funder grant application. So Tag saw this and we decided, you know what, there's a longstanding question in the sector around this common grant app. And so let's, let's partner with the Fix the Form folks and see if we can do something about enabling grant form download and doing some data science to understand how similar these grant applications are. So a little bit complicated there, but what net result was, we gathered 133 grant applications throughout the world. We hired a great data scientist at the University of Michigan to do some pretty sophisticated similarity analysis between those grant applications. And the result is grant applications are about 39% similar in terms of the level of overlap between the fields, how 39% of the questions asked are the same. You know, Tag did this research because I don't know if we need a common grant app. I, I don't know if that's the right answer, but what I do know is let's start by understanding how similar we already are. And so that's why TAG did this research with Fix the Form, was to answer the longstanding question, how similar are we right now without even trying? So that way, if we do want to try to be even more similar and to develop a baseline application, we know where we're starting. And so where we're starting is 39% similar. And let's see where we can go from there. 
Because, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that there's already like 39% similarity. I mean, because if, if you think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours spent on like filling out these applications, even being able to just do those 39% like once and then having it be the same would be like hundreds and thousands of hours of, of time saved and energy saved across the sector. You know, if you have you looked at the the reviews, Andrew, you're totally right. If you looked at the reviews on grantadvisor.org, some of the worst offenders is a strong word. Some of the foundations that take the longest for a grant application to be completed. 20 hours for one application. One? Wow. Five. One of the worst offenders is at about 43 to 45 hours to complete one application. You don't even know if you're going to get the funds. And how many of those applications do you complete throughout a year as part of a nonprofit? So what does that look like in terms of overhead? That's unfunded work, by the way. That's all overhead, not funded, the grant application process itself. So we've created, in my opinion, a bit of a culture of dependency by requiring that kind of investment in simply completing an application for funding. And I'd be really curious too, is it like, is the funder who's asking for like 45 hours worth of work for an application that much like a better funder than the one who asked for like 10 hours? You know what I'm saying? Like, like are they getting, does that additional information actually make them a better funder or not, right? Like, cause my, my hunch would be it probably doesn't. Um, and it just is like, I, I, but I don't know. Like that would be another interesting question I think to explore is like, is the information in the grant application like what actually leads to like smarter philanthropy and like better decision making as a philanthropist um to be fair you're asking a great question to be fair i think many funders don't know that their applications take that long and that's tag is that's very fair yeah. in 2022 tag is pushing really hard on centering on the grantee or change maker experience so that we can start knowing what we don't know because I think many funders don't even know that it takes that long to complete an application. And if they did, they would be shocked and they would do something. Mm -hmm. I get it right on. That's a really good point is, is I think that there is an advocacy aspect to this work as well around how do we just make funders aware that like this is happening right. and this is what's going on. No, um, there are, there are, to be, to be honest, Andrew, there are some, the grant similarity analysis uh, revealed some interesting questions. And you're right on and saying, are we really using that data? Do those questions make us any better? I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but there are questions that are asked that are things like of a grantee, potential grantee that are things like who else is doing this work that you're doing and why are you better? Right. Questions like that. You know, is that is that the funder can find those answers. They don't need to ask the grant for that information, right? Um, there are questions that could easily be extracted from Candid's database, uh, from stores of 990 information, all sorts of questions that the funder could easily ask. There are funny questions like, if you've received a previous grant from this organization, what is your grant number? The funder has that grant number. There's no reason to ask the nonprofit for that grant number. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, whenever I've done like data collection, like workshops and stuff, I'm always like, if you already have the information, don't ask for it again. <laughs> like, it's like so basic. It's like, 
Um, but I, but I, but so many people do run into it, right? Like, and I, and I think there's there's real opportunity there. And this, I think, leads to the other kind of trend you were talking about earlier, which is around um, like common data, like stores. Because um, I think there there is an opportunity, and there has been a lot of talk around how can we create better data infrastructure so that organizations can more easily apply uh, for, for grants, um, that this information can be more easily accessed by funders. Um, what are you seeing? What are some of the trends that you're seeing in that space around some you know, data commons work in the foundation arena? Mm, that is a juicy question. The state of the state of data commons work in philanthropy. So um, would you like me to address the elephant in the room first? Yeah, please. Like always, the elephant uh, is right here and I'd love for you to address it. Yeah, the elephant in the room is Candid. Yes. Candid <laughs> is the elephant of, in the room. Um, and I am I am excited about the, uh, and Mei Cheng, the new CEO, I'm excited to see yep. where she's going to go. But if you talk to folks who are interested in building data commons, what they're all trying to do is do something different than Candid because there's a perception that Candid has perhaps strayed too far from the spirit of collaboration and openness. And I, you know, I think that um, Anne May has a real opportunity to address that perception and the reality if it's based in reality. Um, and so I think we're at a tension point of how patient will the sector be to see where Candid goes versus where does the sector itself want to go? Um, that's the elephant in the room. The kind of mini elephants that are happening around that other elephant is funder collectives deciding to explore the idea of data commons. Um, I would also suggest that individual product providers in the impact space um, they're also exploring this. It has, I have yet to see whether um, they will collaborate across, across product, across company. That's the holy grail, right? If product providers will collaborate across uh, organization, cross company, then you'll see some real momentum. And personally, I think the private sector has a very important role to play here in nudging the sector forward. The data governance and ownership and transparency piece will have to be addressed though, of course. We don't want another kind of uh, big tech challenge where there isn't transparency into the data and ownership of the data. I completely agree. I do think there's a role here for the private sector providers of technology um, to create uh, shared standards that allow for greater interoperability across platform, the sharing of information across platform, um, and you know some sort of data commons to to come into um, the sector to make this information just more accessible, um, like really accessible to to folks. Um, uh, but I think yeah, I think we're our, I like the the inflection point, right? Like we're at a place where I, I too am really excited for Anne and and the opportunity that Candid has, uh, and I think she's actually I was excited to see her being named as the next leader because um, I think she has such a good product focus and and kind of philanthropic mind. Um, and you know, my hope is that they fulfill the opportunity that I think that that is available to them. Um, around bringing kind of multiple platforms together, sharing this kind of information. I think Giving Tuesday is actually another really good example of an organization yeah. doing um, some interesting work as they move much more into kind of like the sharing of fundraising information across platforms and, and things of that nature. Um, but I think we need more of these kind of 
groups. And I'd love to see more on like the programmatic impact side, not just the financial and fundraising side of organizations um, come about to share, to more easily share kind of programmatic and organizational information um, into these different platforms and, and kind of use uh, user needs. Uh, Andrew, you're hitting on a key point. When you think about the data ecosystem, there are the two key uh, buckets of data in the philanthropic ecosystem are the, uh, and they correspond to the pain points for nonprofits, the application process. So the upfront assessment of community need, the matchmaking between funder and grantee, the application process. So everything that front loads the giving of a grant, one massive opportunity for a data commons in philanthropy, um, data sharing in philanthropy, and then of course around the outputs, the outcomes uh, cross nonprofit, cross grantee, uh, cross funder, and then cross sector uh, as, as we start to think about social change, both from a public, social, and private uh, sector perspective in terms of investment. I think that's, that's absolutely right. Um, so I, I'd love to end with this question, just give you a, a moment to opine here. Um, you know, you're, you're obviously very invested in the digital transformation of philanthropy. Um, if you could like wave your wand and make like three things change across philanthropy generally when it comes to digital transformation, what might those three things be? Uh, what are the kinds of changes that you think are, mm. are necessary to, to drive that kind of innovative culture in philanthropy? Mm -hmm. Uh, there's precursor stuff like, wouldn't I love to see a philanthropic sector that was more risk taking, right? When we think about um, port, a portfolio of grants, you know, I'd love to see every funder think about her portfolio of grants as having at least 10 to 20% of high risk, highly innovative, who knows what's going to happen with these grants, reporting requirements out the door, let's take some risks and let's invest in something that might be breakthrough. Um, that culture of risk-taking, I think, would feed into what I care about as the ED of TAG, uh, which is a realization that technology will really scale the mission if we, A, invest in it properly. So that's on my wish list, investing in tech because it is one of the key things that can scale the mission, which means scale the dollars, which means scale the outcome. Um, and number two, you know, having hiring for tech strategic technology minds and bringing those people to the strategy table instead of saying, oh, here's the mission, here's the updated mission, and then how can tech go do it? Bringing your strategic tech minds to the table to think about what does mission look like in 2021 in a fundamentally digital world? What does mission look like? Um, my third magic wand would be, you know what, the idiosyncratic outcome indicators have got to end. If I could wave the magic wand and, and poof, give poof to all the special snowflakes of the world, and we could have an agreement that we can adopt shared outcomes and then start, start um, measuring and sharing to them, there's so much we could unlock in terms of knowledge about what works. I completely agree. Um, I think those are, those are, I share, I share those desires as well. Um, Chantal, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, it's always great. Always great catching up and chatting with you. It is such a joy. Thank you, Andrew. I look forward to uh, the rest of your podcast series. Thanks for having me. 
want to give a huge thank you to Chantal for joining me today and sharing some of her perspectives on, on the need and opportunity for data and technology infrastructure in the philanthropic space. Uh, please like and subscribe to this podcast. We have a, a couple of really exciting episodes coming up in the next two weeks where we're going to uh, be replaying our decolonizing data and tech for good panel. I'm really excited. It was it was one of the coolest things that we've done all year at Good Tech Fest. I'm very excited to share that with all of you. So like, subscribe, and check out goodtechfest.com for more.